Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where we're the odd men out this week. I'm Void, and I'm here with co-host Beige. I'm always the odd man out. I wouldn't say always, but today we are talking always. about, uh, for lack of a better term, odd man out gaming. So this might be a shorter topic, but I wanted to touch on it because I was thinking about this recently. Like, there are a lot of games out there, and you don't click with every one of them. It's just the nature of right. every one of us as an individual. And I wanted to talk about like some of the games that make us feel left out. And these are going to be different for everyone. But I just thought that you and I would have some interesting ones that would probably be different right. from each other. And yeah, when I saw the, the title, like I knew the topic. We talked about it. We had notes about everything. And then I love the title that you chose with Odd Man Out because like, yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. Where it's just like I hear people talking about things and it's right within my realm of, of understanding and in my sphere. And it's like, this is great. But I just have no idea what they're saying. It's like Jennifer listening to me talk to people about like Dungeons and Dragons or World of Warcraft, and she says that I'm speaking that this uh, this like secret magical language, and that's the way I feel about some games where people are just like, I'm like, okay, whatever yeah. you say, you guys, I, I, good job, good talk, bro. <laughs> so for well, we have a common denominator here, so maybe we start with yeah. that. Um, you said pretty much any sports game, <laughs> pretty much any sports game, like. If if it is out there and people are talking about sports, and it's not that I don't like sports that much. I mean, and I say sports in a really weird way. I realize my accent just now. But but any of the Madden, FIFA, NBA games, I just I'm so far removed from those gaming cultures that it is just it's almost like there is a separate industry for sports games that I know pretty much zero about. Yeah, no, I feel very similar. I, I put on Madden and NBA in here because I was thinking back to, I used to really like arcade sports games, and it seems yes. like they don't make them anymore. But, uh, if, you know, back in the day, it was like, I liked, was it NFL Blitz? The one that you could just... Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, like, I, it, I liked um, NBA Jam. Like, I liked those arcade ones, but... They don't really make them anymore. But still, when I hear about like improvements in Madden and NBA, like there was a time where I did actually play Madden. It was a really long time ago. Um, these days, it's much more simulation and much less arcade. Yeah. Whereas in the early days when I did play it, like the game kind of straddled the line between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And then over time has only gone more and more towards the simulation. And that has like pushed me further and further out from it. But yep. as, as these games are starting to talk about like story mode every year, I keep listening what? to the reviews because the story mode might appeal to me one of these years. I did. I, I, I don't, like I said, I know zero, like this is a part of the industry. I know zero about there are story modes in Madden games. Like I don't, I don't understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. Yeah, no, there are story modes in Madden and uh, one of the NBA games. I don't know which one. I don't remember the names of any of them anymore. Yeah. What are they about? Like, I'm, I'm assuming it's just following someone's career and like drama back in team drama, that kind of stuff. Is there anything like it could be really interesting? I mean, absolutely. I just don't understand how the two the narrative structure would work with the with the sport with the sports thing yeah i you know i keep listening and it's like every year they get slightly closer to a story mode that i might like i don't think they're quite there yet but it's one of those things that i just like 
keep an ear out for it over time right because it might swing back around to a story mode being like an actual good onboarding point for somebody again especially if it lets you move more towards that arcade mode which i don't know if that part's ever going to happen but again like anytime people talk about sports games madden nba um I feel a little bit a little bit left out. Yeah, because I like the ones like you do. I like the arcade sports games. Those are the ones that I really, really, really fell in love with. Not because they're they have to be the arcade twitchy types, because I've never been good at that kind of, of sports game really. But it's because they're the ones I could just pick up and know what was going on immediately without having to invest. And every time I've sat down and tried to play a Madden game with somebody, and this has been years and years since I've tried so as they're moving toward the simulations now i wouldn't even begin to understand what was going on but it's more complicated than the arcade ones so i feel almost i feel like the old man who was sitting down i feel like conan o'brien's uh clueless gamer segments where it's like i don't know what these buttons do am i doing this right that that (laughs) it's just it's just like okay these buttons do something and i suppose that went through a ball i don't know do i press over here now and that's why i feel playing madden is that i don't quite get how the systems work now arcade ones i do Yep. And I mean, I would even probably put golf games in here for me because one of my yeah. first years of college, my roommate and I, we played Tiger Woods PGA Tour probably 05 or something like that. Okay. Um, almost every single night. Every night we would either play that game or we would play the very first Guitar Hero. So <laughs> yep. it, those were like the two games of that year for me that stick out from freshman year in my mind. And like we loved that game because... There was a little bit of like, you know, sim aspect, but there was this crazy spin that you could put on the ball in midair after you saw (laughs) where it was going to land. And it was ridiculous. Like it was it did not make sense physically. It was not like a sim aspect of the game at all. It was just like this ridiculous amount of aftertouch that you could give it. And that one feature alone made the game for us. Like the fact that we could influence it after we hit it and had messed up or picked the wrong club or whatever, because, you know, we weren't that serious about the actual sim aspect. Like that made the game and then the next year because i had the same roommate again um we picked up the next version and the spin was still there but it wasn't crazy it wasn't noticeable it wasn't physics breaking and that ruined the game for us it just like and that's understandable because it wasn't the kind of game that you that you enjoyed do you remember i don't know the game that was like that for me was vr soccer 97 on the original playstation don't you happen to remember the vr no okay so so there was a series of games in the late 2000s that were right when the PlayStation was new. This is back when they still had the black, big, tall black box PlayStation games uh, for the boxes when you were when you were buying them like that. And the, it was uh, VR Sports was the company who made them. And the best one was VR Soccer. And this was VR Soccer 97, so I was like 14 years old at this point. And my friend Luke and I would rent this, and it was my favorite sports game of all time where... We would just go around, we would pick a team, and you could co-op it, and you would be each be one soccer player on the same team, and we would just pick the... whichever one we wanted with the strongest players and we would just tackle them tackle the opponents because you know when in soccer i don't know enough about it but i know in this game when you tackle them you basically hit them with your knees and slid and we could break their legs and so we would injure enough people on the other team that it didn't matter how bad we were at soccer we didn't actually play the soccer part of it we literally just broke people's legs until we won uh the game and just kept doing that and laughing about it because we were 
or 14 years old. That is one of my only and best sports game memories. It makes me think of Wayne Gretzky 3D hockey on the N64. Oh, dude, it's so good. Because, like, I remember we used to play that, and I think either the penalties weren't that severe or there was a way to turn penalties off, and I don't remember at this point. But right. we would play a version of the game where we would just hook and check and like just destroy each other and it was so fun that way it is so much fun like hockey games now are simulation they don't they're not about that they're about following the rules of the sport like yeah whatever okay (laughs) i don't want to beat on the sports games too much longer no because they people love them and i'm so glad that people get into them like that it's just a different kind of game like we're the odd men out we want those arcadey let's blow everybody up games and uh sports games and apparently most people people don't and that's that's fine yeah so why don't you talk about your other one on here my other one is actually y'all heard me talk about it a bunch but the call of duty and battlefield games that i know that we talked about a couple of weeks ago that to me these are the same game in my mind and like people are and they're not at all like you've told me that and i don't understand like i'm so out on it that those are like i do not see a difference in them so i end up like starting to tune people out when they're talking about them because in that like it's been because I've taught uh, college for so long that that it was just like the Call of Duty games, the Battlefield games. It's like they're the Ermagerd dude bros. Like I'm a gamer. I'm gonna play Call of Duty, and I'm like, yeah, bet you are. And you're wearing a, an old school Nintendo shirt. Good for you. And it's like you you weren't alive in that century. And it, it, it is it, it it it's one of those things where I just feel so like disconnected from this because I do not understand the difference. And I do try to listen to like you and our listeners who will who will talk to me about these games and show me the the and talk to well not necessarily show me, but send me clips and things like that to try to show me what what they are and i can appreciate that i really can appreciate what you see in these games but whenever it's just like somebody on the street when i'm talking to a new person they're like yeah i'm a gamer like i I play every call of duty that comes out and i'm like oh you're not a gamer i get real judgy when this happens and i know i know i shouldn't but this is one of mine where i'm so like so distant from it that i can't help but be judgmental if that's the only games that you play because i don't fully understand that's like it, it is a it's kind of funny because uh call of duty world war ii is in my geekery this week so maybe i will talk about it here for a little bit instead because like i kind of get well i, I do get where you're coming from i can understand how it looks like that from the outside and I still feel that way about it for the multiplayer part of these games. Like those feel very much. And I know like Dubro is not the right term for it, but it it feels like um, an insular community. That's the same community that keeps coming back game after game. And that's like all they do, you know, like that is their game. You know, they buy Call of Duty every year or the next battlefield that comes out every time. And they always migrate to the latest version and Mm -hmm. their skills all transfer over. So they just dominate. And, I have no interest in that multiplayer. Like, I beat Call of Duty World War II this week. It was like a six to eight hour single player campaign, and I liked that. Like, it was was interesting. It was kind of a throwback to, like, Call of Duty 2 and Call of Duty, like, Big Red 1 and almost like Medal of Honor, you know, like the World War II focus, which I don't know if any of this is making sense to you in particular. No, you you called one—you said that the name of the game was Call of Duty Big Red 1? There was something along those lines. It might have been Call of Duty 3 was that one. I don't remember. It's been a while. But it, it really gets back towards like Call 
Call of Duty 2, which was like World War II focused. And like the the story campaign was worth it for me. Like I enjoyed playing through that one time and that was all I needed. Just like last right. year when I played Call of Duty. And then I went and I played literally one match of multiplayer and it went, yep, <laughs> this is still Call of Duty multiplayer. Same people are here. The same gameplay is here. It has a new skin on it. I, I, I just want no part of that. And then I moved on, you know, I sent it back. Yeah. So I, that's kind of how I felt with Battlefield also. Like when I played Battlefield 1 last year, I loved the single player campaign. It was amazing what they did with that. And then I went and the multiplayer is at least different enough from Call of Duty that I actually played that multiplayer for a couple weeks before I drifted off. But it was the same thing. You know, as soon as I start playing a multiplayer in one of these Call of Duty or Battlefield games, it's just like a countdown clock to when I give up on the game. Okay, well, okay, so you're saying that they're different, and, and this is where I am the odd man out. What is different about them? Because from in my perspective, and I like the Halo and Destiny style, uh, arc- more arcade style shooters. So let me, let me give my perspective on what they look like in multiplayer to me, where it kind of feels like the it, it is trying for a realistic physics engine where every weapon feels like slightly different. You can feel weight behind it, but none of them necessarily feel like super powerful so that you don't feel like a you're an individual on a team rather than being an epic hero. And there are levels that you gain with either abilities or the, or access to new weaponry or something along those lines. And like, that's all I see. Like, I don't see anything outside of that. Like where you, where the differences come in, in that, because that's just literally all I see where whenever I watch videos or anything at all, they're both just trying to be this almost hyper-realistic shooter. Okay, so they're not at all, because okay. the, what you're seeing, the hyper-realistic, the closest out of these two that gets to it is Battlefield. Battlefield is more okay. on the sim end of things, but even then, it's not hyper-realistic. If you want that, you have to go to, like, I'm, of course, I'm going to blank on the names of them, but there are a few games on PC that are really, like, one-shot, one-kill, that kind of game set okay. in, like, a World War II. Those are as close as you can get to realistic at the moment outside of, like, an Arma, which is a totally different type of, like, right, war Right, that's a completely sim. separate, yeah. Yeah, so Battlefield is more of a team game. Like, if you are not working with your team and treating it more like not like a war because it's still a game you know but more of like paying attention to the capture points and like having an overall strategy like that's how you win battlefield in call of duty you win by shooting people really good like call of duty is the arcade end of this right Hmm. like call of duty is much closer to an overwatch even though it's not quite a one-to-one Whereas Battlefield is closer to like an armor. So there's there's like a spectrum here. Does See, that and make for sense? For me, yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. At least at, somebody out there is saying, no, that's that's not at all right. But for me, well, that makes not, sense. not, but it's like directionally correct. Yeah, that is. That's one of those where I see the analogy in there where I completely fall on the give me Overwatch because it's the blizzard taking the core and making it better, making it something and and really boiling it down where I see what you're saying, but I can't appreciate it because I don't have the knowledge to be close enough to it. One of the problems is just Call of Duty is Call of Duty at its core. It doesn't actually change the gameplay that much year to year. So there are people who have been playing Call of Duty and only Call of Duty for 10 years straight now, and they just buy a new game every year. Right. Yes. There is no way for you and I to compete with those people. It's not not even it's not worth our time to even try. 
And that's just the nature of it. So it's like, it's not a good one. It's not an approachable game anymore for multiplayer. And that's kind of, that's partly one of the reasons I've never even tried that I think I might like the single player campaigns. And the more I've noticed by going into Destiny and some of the others that I've tried recently is I think I might like that it's a six to eight hour single player campaign if it were if it were a rental. If I were using Gamefly to do it like you did, I just don't think I would ever want that in a $60, $60 game. But that goes back to like our first episode of uh, the value, subjective value of games. I agree with you. And that is why I almost always buy single player or I buy first person shooter games for the single player and almost never for the multiplayer. Yeah, because I fall into that camp, too. So for me, a a couple of the other games in here are like the every time there's a new WoW expansion, I feel Hmm. extremely left out because I used to love WoW. And whenever a new one gets announced, I get this like wave of nostalgia, but it's a nostalgia for like how much I used to like WoW and what it felt like when I was playing in like Burning Crusade and Wrath and stuff like that. It's not actually uh, a longing for the feeling that I know I would get back if I went right now, because whenever there's an expansion, whenever there's hype, and usually I'm good at avoiding it until like right around launch week when all of my friends are talking about it. That's where I struggle because the hard part for me is remembering how much I don't actually enjoy it anymore. Like, yeah, you know, because I have these good memories and like that, you know, golden age nostalgia that always happens with a little bit too much distance from something for the way I felt during Burning Crusade and Wrath. Like that was my high time with the game. And And I I can never recapture that. And it's like anytime I go back, it never measures up to what it used to be because it was the time and the place and the people and where I was in my life and the fact that I hadn't spent so much time with MMOs. And I think that's a really big part of it is not having spent so much time with MMOs because I am still definitely the person who I will eventually buy every new WoW expansion. That I'm still going to buy Warcraft 4 whenever it is released next year or whatever it is. But I'm also the kind of person who I know that I'm going to spend a month at most two on that expansion. So I'll wait for it to have more content out where I can actually experience it and they've nerfed some of the stuff and I can have fun with it because Jennifer really puts it in good perspective for me. She's asked me multiple times why I play that game if all it does is make me unhappy. And she has a really good point because that's pretty much all WoW does for me these days is make me unhappy. Like, let's be honest, it's not the kind of game that I play for my mental stability because you know how much I go all in on things. That whenever I am invested in something, I am invested in it. And WoW expansions do that to me where I go all in, but luckily I've played so much of it in the past that I don't get that feeling and I don't have the people still playing there outside of just going through the content initially getting like i set myself one goal like this time it was uh getting flying i got it i i'm good and now i'm good until the next expansion yeah so we're coming at it from different angles i think i feel more left out than you do because you still like actively engage with it whereas i just i don't anymore and so i always feel like an outsider when that time of year comes around for a couple weeks and then i'm fine well the only other thing about that is that i do get to the point where i'm the odd man out once i hit that point in the expansion where i'm done i just look at the stuff and that's when i'm just like i don't care anymore like i'm so distant i just distance myself from it. it's like yep 
nope, not at all. I don't get it. I don't get why this is good. And it's like, you were just playing that last week, buddy. And then my other the my other side is like, yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. I, I know MMOs have a unique hook on you, for sure. Yeah, um, The they last really one do. that I wanted to mention is Dark Souls, because... I uh, you don't yeah. pay attention to gaming press like I do and listen to a bajillion no. gaming podcasts in a week, but everybody uses Dark Souls for comparisons all the time now. And I, I yes. understand why, but I feel extremely disconnected from the mainstream because of it. Because it, it's like it gets so much coverage and comparison in mainstream gaming press. Right. And the fact that I have never latched on to one of those games truly always makes me feel like, oh, like it's kind of and it's weird because the reason isn't the difficulty like i don't mind difficult games and yeah it's not even like the the setting like the third person action type it's not the genre because i like third person action games when they're done well right um the worlds fall a little flat for me they're a little too stereotypical like okay it's kind of dark fantasy whatever you know same with bloodborne like okay it's dark victorian era yep. creepy horror like it there's not my normal cup of tea i suppose um but again the world in the end also isn't the thing that completely pushes me away it's just purely the controls of the game like yeah the controls in these games suck and anyone who <laughs> tells you differently is lying like yes you can adapt to them that is yeah. true you can learn to work within them and get to the point where you are good at working within the control scheme that is all true but they're not good controls. Like, it doesn't feel like you have tight control of your character ever. Did, yep. Have you tried these games? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's why I'm laughing is because I hate the controls in a lot of these games because they feel so loose. And to me, that's part of the challenge. And that's actually part of the reason, like, I have a little bit of a, of a nit to pick with Mario Odyssey because of that, because it feels looser than other Mario games to me. See, and I would part say... Of, it is a bad form of challenge for these type of games. Yes. Like, give me exactly. tight, extremely precise controls and then throw extremely hard challenges at me, and then you have me hooked, right? Yes. If, but if if the fight that I'm having is not between my character on screen and the bad guy, if the fight I'm having is between me and the controller, you have failed as a developer. And yes. that is why I can't get into these games at all. And so it's like every time a new Dark Souls game or like Souls Alike or whatever they're calling them now these days gets Wait, announced. really? I didn't yeah. know that. No, that's a term that gets thrown around a bunch. See, these are I, I listen to a lot of gaming podcasts. Yeah, I had no idea. I've never heard that term. Like, Souls and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't even like. It's not that I avoid it. It's just that I, I read it as it comes through Twitter, and a lot of it is from what you retweet and a lot of the listeners here talk about and post. But never seen it. Yeah, so never I'm still once waiting. Seen that. Like, I want this game to exist. Like, if you give me a good third person action game with an interesting story or an interesting world that has really, really tight controls and yeah. it's fun and it's challenging and I'm going to die a lot, but I can overcome it if I keep working at it. And the challenge becomes between my on-screen avatar and the bad guys instead of between me and the controller. Like, I have no problem. I'm in then. But right. yeah, so I feel a really big disconnect there. And that's, that. it's honestly part of it is the challenge for me. And that's how I know I'm just not a part of this particular genre's audience because uh, we've talked about it in the past where I just want to be able to turn the difficulty down and get through a good game. And when these games, the game itself is partly being that challenge, it's just not for me. It's like, I like a good challenge. 
I like one, but these feel like overly punishing. And I'm past that point in my gaming career where I look for different things. I haven't hit that where I wanted to play one of these because that's not where I find enjoyment. That's not the uh, that's not the thrill of gaming for me anymore. And it used to be. I would have eaten these up years ago. Now I'm just like, eh, I'm, I'm good. I'll watch these. I like watching games like this. If I had somebody playing this in front of me, I'd be super happy. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can totally see that. So those are our odd man out games. And I just thought it would be an interesting topic. So I'm, I'm glad that we ended up doing that one. Um, for our weekly offer of the week, that's not what it's called. It's called the geeky offer of the week. Um, let's dive into the geeky <laughs> offer of the week. This week, I'm going to feature Gamefly one last time because I beat Call of Duty World War II this week and I sent it back and I canceled my Gamefly subscription for the year. So I'll pick it up again next fall. This has worked really well too two years in a row so yes, if has. you guys want to do what i did or do your own version of game rentals gamefly is a great place to get a bunch of game rentals sent right to you and you just pop them back in the mail whenever you're done with them um you can go to gameflyoffer.com geek and get a free trial on us which is awesome and i also wanted to plug a bunch of people on the network because like I feel like everyone else on the network this week did interconnected episodes. Like everyone was talking about each other. So if you guys aren't yeah. listening to Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, if you're not listening to Geektitude with Joe Hogan, which is an awesome interview show, if you're not listening to The Comic Box with Rob, like go listen to all of those because they're great. And they were all interconnected in interesting ways this week. I don't know if you've listened to everything this week. I know you had a busy one. I haven't listened to everything. I've been seeing it in our Slack channel. I've been seeing everyone talk about everything though, and I love it. Yeah, I love it too. Okay, let's move on to Weekly Geekery. Um, If you don't know, that's where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. Why don't you go first? For the most part, I've been geeking out about catching up on work because of being sick and passing out last week. But uh, a lot of it, my spare time this week has been play, uh, watching Stranger Things 2. I'd mentioned it, and I'm still not finished with it because that's how much free time I've had. But it's really good. I haven't read any reviews. I haven't been spoiled on anything. But I really did uh, like what they've done with it so far. It feels like it's a continuation of season one it has a completely different kind of horror in it like i did mention last time and i still don't know if you'd like it like i'm still i'm still not 100 percent because it's it feels slower than even season one to me which is where you're cringing right now because you're like how does it get even slower but it's a different kind of slow i don't know but i really like season two and i really don't understand why they've introduced some of the new characters so far and i'm like on episode eight so i'm waiting on things to tie together which i really hope hope comes through and and it, it works out really well. Other than that, you know, I hope I finish it up. It's It'll be great. We got in Mario Kart Switch, uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe for the Switch. I just call it Mario Kart Switch. And it's uh, super good. Jennifer and I love it. She is in there playing the Switch right now. I asked her what she was going to be doing whenever I was, I was podcasting tonight. And her response was, I'm going to be playing the Switch. I'm playing Mario Kart. So, like, she loves it. I'm so excited. Uh, we downloaded the demo to Snipper Clips. And I remember you telling me about Snipper Clips. And I really, I don't think we would buy it. It's a game I don't think we would buy the entire full game. But the demo of it had us screaming at each other and laughing. Like, not in a bad way. Not the screaming at each other that Mario Super Mario Wii had us doing that made us not ever play Mario games together again. But Snipper Clips had us just, like, screaming and laughing. And it was just so much fun because it's such a weird little game. But I totally understand like why everyone loved it when it first like when the switch 
Switch first dropped. It's just super cute and super fun, and we we totally adored it. Um, that one, it's th- really fun for what it is. Yes. For what it is, it's great. Yep. And there are some things that we still don't know how we finished them. Like, we, we didn't really figure it out in the demo. We just messed around until it happened. So that was fun. And then the biggest thing I've been geeking out about was uh, yesterday, day before yesterday, I think, I registered, I, did, I got a wild hair and decided that I was going to register for the Star Wars Half Marathon, The Dark Side, in 2018, in April of 2018. And I have decided that... The do to do the first order challenge, which is the 10k and the half marathon on successive days, and then because it's in Orlando and uh, my best friend Austin lives in Palm Beach, it's just a couple hours uh, north of Palm Beach. So he and his wife and Jennifer, mine, are all going to run the 5k together before that. So we're super excited. Like I'm going to be going to Disney World and running in a dark side half marathon in April. That that uh, that Phasma is leading the way on, and like I'm so unbelievably excited about this that this is the first year I've ever been at a company where I have a Christmas bonus. So I am probably going to be paying for this with my Christmas bonus, and uh, it's it's like I'm. I don't make decisions like this very often where this is out of the realm of what I would consider a responsible decision for me to make. And I was like, I need something to really and truly motivate me to get back in shape and, and get myself back going and to honestly revitalize the geek fitness podcast. Like I'm working on structure to do vlogs as I go through this, like it's perfect. And I mean, it's Star Wars could be after the last Jedi. And on top of that, that copper top, uh, one of our uh, podcast listeners is going to be there running it too. Like she messaged me on Twitter the other night that Rose is going to be doing it. And I'm like, yes, we're, I'm going to be able to meet people. I love meeting people from the podcast. And like, she is so much faster than I am. And so I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, uh, to go and uh, uh, make sure that I can, she's going to run faster than me, but I'm going to have to make sure I'm not uh, embarrassing myself. So any of you other guys out there, any guys or ladies out there want, who want to, to run this like i'm gonna be there in orlando and running this we should so totally do a podcast thing and make void do it too that's that's awesome you guys should do that you should actually you should think about recording an episode from that and that like would around be, it that would be really awesome i'm not sure how the trip like the days are gonna work out but yeah that's something that we should definitely talk about getting done if down you there can work it in even if you can do like a short form one you know and like mm. squeeze it between other stuff it definitely wouldn't match the normal format but i think it could be really cool that would be really cool. So think I about that. I would definitely be posting and at least doing videos and stuff on our Twitter and stuff like that and Facebook stuff. Very cool. Well, I'm excited for you for that one. Yeah, um, I'm so excited. This week, well, it's been kind of the last couple of weeks. I've been listening to the podcast Reply All. Have you ever listened to it? I've heard of it, but I've never listened to it. Okay, so it was one that I've tried to get into a few times, and I think I must have just picked episodes that didn't click with me which happens every once in a while when i sample a podcast and i just happen to pick the wrong ones and there was a thread a couple weeks ago in our subreddit that was started by uh, or maybe one of the top level comments was by akiran um and just asking for like podcast recommendations and a bunch of our listeners jumped in there including me and i gave like a giant list of stuff i listened to and more than one person recommended reply all and i was like you know i've tried it 
it didn't click, but enough people that I trust are recommending it. I should go back and give it another shot. Yeah. So I listened to like the latest two or three of them and I went, oh, this is an amazing podcast. And then I went back and I listened to literally every episode. So, oh, wow. Even the ones that didn't work before. Yeah. And once I like knew the people and knew the format and figured out what the podcast was all about, like even then, um, I liked all the ones that I listened to like in order. Okay. So it's basically a show about the internet and it's people who actually do like good journalism work who dive in deep on really like interesting but niche topics. I don't Hmm. know how else to describe it. Like they will go into so many odds and ends of things related to the internet and it's super well produced. It's like, you know, uh, this American life level of production values. in Really? Yeah. It's great. So, I love it. If you have any interest in the internet, which is basically everybody, and your podcast listener, <laughs> which is basically everybody who's listening to this right now, you should really check out Reply All because it's fantastic. Just scroll through and look for like two or three topics of theirs that seem like it might be something that you're interested in and download those. Don't download random ones because you might run into what I did the first time. This actually reminds me, I'm looking at it right now as you... Uh as you were talking about it, like I was looking it up and this reminds me of Mozilla's new podcast as well. IRL. Have you listened to any of it? Uh, I've heard of it. I haven't actually listened to it. It's interesting. It's my kind of podcast where I'm not sure if it's yours because I don't so much like a lot of as many interview shows and it's topical and internet tech based. And I really like it just when I see that episode, uh, the newest episode of reply all is, is Facebook spying on you. That kind of reminded me and looking at skip tracers and stuff. It was like, yeah, this is my kind of podcast as well. Like I really think. Yeah. There was a really cool series of episodes. It might've been just two, but it was all about how bounty hunters use the internet to find people. And yeah. like that was a super deep dive, but it was extremely fascinating. So yeah, it's a two episode uh, from what it looks like on here. Yeah, Reply All is fantastic. Um, cool. There's also a trivia game called HQ that I've been playing for like two and a half weeks now, and I keep forgetting to mention it on air because it's not like a game that I normally think of, like video game. It's like trivia. So have you heard of this one? Because it's slowly getting more traction. No, never. Okay. Did you ever I feel play... like I'm so out of the loop. That, that's okay. Um, Did you ever play 1 versus 100 on Xbox 360? That sounds like I did. <laughs> I'm like, looking for points know... of comparison here. Okay, we'll go clean slate then. That's fine. But listeners, if you've ever played 1 versus 100 and liked it back in the 360 days, um, this is a similar tone. HQ is a live trivia game that everybody is playing simultaneously, and oh, you can yeah, only yeah. play it live. So... There are usually two times a day on weekdays. It's like 2 p.m., well, central time, where I am. It's like 2 p.m. and 8 p.m., so adjust for your respective time zone because it's live, right? And um, they broadcast it, and there's real money attached. So if you can actually answer all the questions and make it to the end, everyone who makes it past the last question and survives gets to split the prize money, and then you cash out. So the only thing you need to do is download the app on iOS, or I don't know if it's on Android. I know it's on iOS because that's where I play it. And you just put in your phone number so that it can, like, verify you. And then if you ever do win money, it can actually, like, send it to you through PayPal or whatever. And you just start playing. And it's, like, it's a quick hit trivia. Like, I hate trivia games that drag on and on. Like, occasionally I'll do a bar trivia with friends because it's more about the friends. But, like, I don't really enjoy trivia games where there's tons of time to answer each question because I get so bored. And HQ... and I like it because of the friends, but not necessarily that part does get frustrating. Yeah, HQ is 
it depends. Sometimes when they have really big jackpots or prizes at the end, it's like 15 questions, but most of the right. time it's 12 questions and it only takes like 12 or to 15 minutes. Like it's, it's super short. And when the wow. question does pop up, you literally have 10 seconds to answer so that nobody has time to Google it, which is also really cool. Huh. That does sound awesome because yeah, that would be a big problem in online trivia games, just being able to Google everything. Yep, exactly. So my wife and I have been playing it almost every night at eight o'clock and I I haven't been able to play the mid game or the midday game very much because I'm at work, which is unfortunate. That's um, true. Yeah, but it usually lines up with when my wife is taking a break at work, so she gets to play and tell me how she does, which I get jealous of, but that's okay. Um, but the end of the day, the the 8 o'clock one is really fun to play together, and so we'll sit down and do 15 minutes of trivia, because sometimes there's a question that one of us knows 100%, and we can give both yeah. of us the answer, you know, kind of oh. increases our chances a little bit. Look at you cheating. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, it's just it's sweet, <laughs> because you see, like, last night... It started with 90,000 people, and in the end, it got Ooh. down to, like, 20 by the last question. Like, it's just so fun to see the people fall off as the questions get harder, and it's always like, when is it going to be the first question that knocks out a huge portion of people, right? Yeah. Like, when is a question going to eliminate 50,000 people? And when those come up, and you're still one of the ones that's alive, it just feels really good. <laughs> like, it's fun. So it's fun to see how it goes and like see the people fall off over time and then if you ever do get to the end there's some real money but uh we're just playing for fun like okay so it's just called hq or is it it's HQ just trivia? called hq i think well I, I don't know the app says hq and it has a big hq symbol on it is it purple yes yes it's purple because i'm trying to see if this is the right one that i've downloaded i don't know i don't know if it's on android it might be ios only so you might be out of luck yeah um, i might be so HQ is a cool thing that I've been doing. Um, I also wanted to mention, which I'm sure you noticed and listeners noticed, Twitter's up to 128 characters now. 280. 200. What What did I say? It would 100... be down to 128. Oh, yeah. I meant 280. It's you up did. to 280 characters now. And I find myself scrolling right past long tweets. And that's why I wanted to mention it. Because really? like, Twitter as a service, it's always been about like quick hit content for me. And as I'm scrolling through my timeline now... Anything I see that's approximately standard tweet length, I will read. And even if it's a little bit more, because like I've I've felt that frustration. Like I have two more words that I want to put on the end of a tweet, right? And right. that I understand. But I never needed twice the amount of space. Like I, I liked the fact that you had to be succinct and get your point yes. across. That was what I loved about the platform. So now whenever I see a full, like using all 280 characters tweet, I don't read it. Like I just Aww. don't. I just skip it. And it's very interesting to see how much my Twitter consumption has changed in the last week because of this one update. I mean, I've heard a lot. Like, I don't necessarily think about it because it just has to be something that catches my attention when I'm scrolling through. There's a hundred different reasons for me to actually read someone's tweet. And the length on it doesn't necessarily matter to me, but I have noticed that the longer ones are catching my attention more. And it's not necessarily because of what like 
that they're longer. It's that someone has apparently taken the time and and written something that is able to grab my attention. And that one's what I think is kind of interesting about it because it's almost as the it's almost the opposite for me that I don't use them most of the time. I've only posted over one forty a few times, but the ones that I'm actually finding myself reading are the in depth ones that uh, are on that are actually topical as opposed to being the shorter quippier ones yeah and like some of them i mean if i'm in a conversation and someone's replying using the whole thing that's one thing but it's more of like it's the broadcast tweets right that aren't directed to anybody it's just somebody sending it out into twitter in general that show up on my feed like i just i'll scroll right past them because at that point if you're putting that much thought into it i'm like put it into like a blog post or something like put it into a different format right like put it on a forum where it's well thought out and can be like voted on and people can comment and like i don't know twitter doesn't feel like the right format for long form discussions and it never has and that's why i liked it as a platform and it's why i find myself like i I, okay i've told you that I like almost never declare Twitter bankruptcy, right? Right. Like in the whole time we've been doing this podcast, I think I did for like once one day when I was like really sick and then a couple days when I was on vacation last year. Also, I think when you started your new job, you had to. Yeah. When you were like completely. For a couple days at my new job. Um, In the last week, I have not been completionist with Twitter for the first time ever. Like really. And on purpose. Yeah, on on purpose, not because I'm too busy and I can't. It's just because it's like uh, there's a lot of people using 280 characters and it's just not Mm. the format that I want on that platform. Yeah, I mean, I get that, that I really I can Twitter. I have actually started using Twitter less and less. And it's I don't know why. And I think part of it is because of the people I followed being more political. And the 280 may allow that right now, uh, but. I use Twitter to get away from the politics of Facebook, and it's on there, and I see a lot more of it because of the 280 stuff, so I do feel you on that, but Twitter as a platform is losing its appeal to me, and that makes me really sad, and I don't have a replacement for it yet, and that, I think, is what makes me the saddest. I still love it for, like, communication with people, because, like, if somebody tweets at me, like... I still have push notifications oh, yeah. on. Listeners, any of you can reach out to me and like Please. I will respond. Please I'm talking talk more about my day-to-day use of like scrolling through the feed. Yeah, right. That's the way it is for me. Like I'm not on there posting just shout out, like shouting into the night anymore, or uh just scrolling and reading nearly yep. as much anymore. Yeah, so I'll see if I adjust to two eighty or if I kind of fall into a new way of using Twitter, which is just less than I used mm. to, which would be Probably not the worst thing in the world, honestly. Um, no, okay. it's true. I also watched a couple things this week. I watched Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, which is a really, really beautiful train wreck of a movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. I texted you about this a little bit, right? I did, yeah. It's, it is I, – I don't understand how this movie got made in the way that it was made. The writing, the plot, the acting is – it's bad. Like all of it is bad. But the visuals are gorgeous. It is amazing mm-hmm. it looks so how beautiful. much they must have had for like special effects budget in this movie. And it was billed as like a spiritual successor to The Fifth Element, which is a movie mm-hmm. I always liked. And I can see that from the visual standpoint and like the setting standpoint, which is also it's a pretty interesting setting that they have because they can yeah. do amazing visuals with it. It's one giant city that's slowly expanding over time because it's just like a giant space station, essentially. Oh, cool. And it's 
thousands and thousands of species from all over the galaxy who have slowly added themselves onto this. So it's all these people living in different sections, right? But it gives you, yeah, it gives you an excuse to rapidly go through all of these different environments and like places that wouldn't be habitable to humans without like a spacesuit. But you know, suddenly you're underwater, and then suddenly you're in like a gas only planet, and then suddenly you're in like human planet. Like it's fascinating, right? It's a good setting, and the visuals follow along with that. Everything else about the movie is just. It's bad, though. (laughs) Yeah, you were telling me about how bad the writing and the romance was, and just the acting was just bad. So the two main characters who are supposed to have a romance throughout it, and are the, like, they're driving the character-driven plot, right, are the two main leads of it. And there's a romance between them in the plot that does not fit with this movie at all. It feels wrong and inappropriate, and not like in a... Not in a like in your face gross way, but it's right. like um somebody and his subordinate and he's like hitting on her oh. in a way that it's like, okay, you're in the military supposedly. Like this doesn't this shouldn't happen. Like this is wrong. And Okay. It's, but on it, it's not only the situation, it's also the fact that neither of them has much emotion. Like they just don't oh. emote their lines. They say their lines, yes. That is a true statement. <laughs> but there's no <laughs> I'm just going to let you run out there. It was just, there was so much disdain in your voice right there. That's because I was so it disappointed. Was just, I saw... so angry. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed because I saw... I, I can tell how much must have gone into this movie for, like, yeah. the visuals and the storytelling... Or not the storytelling, but, like, just the, the cinematography and the visuals and yeah. the planning. And to have all of that effort... And have that part of it turn out so well. And to have this like core thing that's supposed to be there for every movie, which is like decent characters and decent acting, just not be there. It feels yeah. so weird. So I bet there is some kind of story for this movie. Like the way that it got made or yeah. some behind the scenes deal of like what they agreed to to make this movie happen. I, there's got to be a backroom story. And I hope it comes out someday. So yeah. if you like spectacle science fiction like just to see what there is to see you should probably watch this movie once that's what i did i don't think i'll ever watch this movie again like it's not actually a good movie (laughs) but but i I I want to see this this is a netflix movie for me obviously i'm not gonna i'm not going to uh pay anything to watch this but when it comes out i'm gonna watch it just for that like for the spectacle because i saw the trailers and i want to see it but it looks like bad pulp sci-fi, which is what I want. But it sounds like it might be bad, bad pulp sci-fi. Well, and honestly, the movie may be better if you mute it. Like you said, watch it. You might, maybe just watch it. Uh, somebody just have it on you, in the background while I'm to, working or something. No, like actually watch it. Like watch the visuals because it's it's a visually interesting movie. But just you don't need to okay. listen to it. Um, yeah. <laughs> And then the other thing that I watched this week was uh, I caught up on Star Trek Discovery again, and I only mentioned it again because there was the first episode that felt like Star Trek, like the classic Star Trek, right, where it had a very Star Trek vibe to the episode. And I'm going to spoil the, uh, like, premise, but not actually the story of it. Okay. It is a time loop narrative, which has happened to many of the Star Trek crews over time, right? Somebody gets caught in a time loop. And you're following the main character yep. through something. You you see like the one basic setup, and then suddenly they jump back in time, and then you see what they do to try to affect it differently, right? Oh yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep, yep. So you know how this works. Mm-hmm. What they did in Discovery 
is that your main character, the one that we've been following for the whole season, is not the person that remembers that the time loop is happening. Oh, good. It is very, very cool. It's a different character that you know, and they've been part of the plot, but they are not the character that you follow around during this episode. They just show up and impact the main character in different loops over and over in different ways. And sometimes, like, you know, it'll cut to the next loop and he'll come back. And it's just like, you can tell it's been a really long time since we last saw him. He's probably hmm. gone through 50 loops since then. And it's it's just such an interesting way to approach it that I loved it. Like, it was the first Star Trek episode, I think it's episode seven, that made me okay. feel like this is a real Star Trek Trekkie episode. And I love that about it. That's that's awesome. Like, I still care zero about this show right now, but it does sound like they're trying to do it right. They are. I, I still like it overall. So I'll let you know. I think they're about to hit the mid-season break and then they are. wrap it up later this year. I don't know. I'll, I'll finish it I think it it's whenever. next. I think it wraps up at the beginning of the year is what I read, but I may yeah. be wrong. No, that sounds right. Um, and then the only other thing really worth mentioning besides World War II, Call of Duty World War II that we already talked about, was that I started playing uh, Fire Emblem Heroes again yeah. on mobile, and it's still good. I like that game. Okay. It's not going to make my top five for the year, but it definitely gets like an honorable mention in our end of the year episode because I keep coming back to it. Like I've reinstalled hmm. it probably three or four times on my phone. I should probably just leave it there at this point yeah. because I always come back to it. And I like it for like just bite-sized strategy. So it's interesting that I've come back to it again. And then the other thing is I started playing Destiny 2 on PC. Um, I don't okay. have a driving force behind it like I did the first time when I, you know, I always want to beat a game like that. Yes. I like completing games. I've already completed this game, so I don't have that drive on PC. But man, this game is beautiful on PC it plays better on PC. I am Does having it? more fun with it on PC because I like first-person shooters with a mouse and keyboard more. Yeah. So it's worth mentioning that I think it's a superior version of the game, and I really wish they had come out on the same day because I would have picked PC, and I would have been happier with it. So if you haven't oh, played yeah. it by now and you're debating, go the PC route. That makes sense. I mean, mouse and keyboard pretty much wins every time on on first-person shooters. Yep. I agree. Except for Rob, who plays PC Overwatch with a gamepad. So let's that, let's all let's all shame Rob for that right now. I'm not going to shame him. That's just it's interesting. It's very interesting. <laughs> okay, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address, as always, is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com/r/geek2geekcast and. You can keep sending questions if you want, but we are recording the question and answer episode literally five minutes after we finish recording this one, and it will yes. be in your feeds next week. So if you keep sending them to me, I will keep collecting them, and the next time we do a Q&A, I promise we will put your question into it. Absolutely. And we're on Slack as well. Go to slack.geek2geekcast.com for an invite. And like we mentioned earlier in the show, we are part of a podcast network, so head over to geek2geekcast.com to see what all the other shows are with Geektitude, Tea Time, and The Comic Box, and listen to all of them. Yeah. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej, that's Beej with two E's, and I blog at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beej with your geek to geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. I'm still not odd.
Comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the the languishing, lascivious Liam of Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of The Comic Box, part of the geek to geek podcast network. So join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah.